Aha! I got it fast that time. Hello! I see we got people on. Thank you for joining me for this Sunday's Last Day's Emergency broadcast. I've been uh, studying pretty hard this week. Um, Just with the amount of chaos that seems to be happening all over this country, misinformation, insanity, uh, criminality, uh, human rights violations. Um, It's just driving me deeper and deeper into the word of God because, you know, we're at that place where you can't just avoid it anymore. And, and as this period continues to go forward into the decline of America, which we're going to talk about tonight. I actually uh, had some pretty interesting research. I was reading uh, a paper from the director of national intelligence that I thought was recent and found out it was actually from 2012, where they're talking about how certain black swans or or critical events that can't be predicted based on what's happening in the world could completely alter the world order. And the number one thing that they stated uh, could happen that would change everything uh, was a upper respiratory uh, virus that killed 1% of the population, which they tried very, very hard to get uh, this current pandemic to to hit 1% uh, even by including traffic accidents into the numbers, but it still never quite reached 1%. But the fact that they have been preparing for this, talking about this, um, and more and more is coming out. I mean, I saw Rand Paul grilling Fauci in the Congress this week and just basically straight out accused him of... uh, of creating this situation that we're in globally in the world. I mean, there's certain key words I just can't say as AI gets more and more advanced and they, they run everything we say in these podcasts through this advanced AI with keywords where they can boot us off. I've already had two episodes of my podcast removed uh, from YouTube, not even with the strike. Like they, one of them, I got a strike. The other one, they just took it off. And uh, that's why we're on multiple platforms as you can see here uh i'm still not quite doing too well with the web page um i have to i have to repay for my my um, web address and so once i get that done we're going to be putting up more articles i mean some of the research i found this week i i i wanted to put on the website just to continue to to keep putting this stuff out to the public and it's just, uh, it's pretty time consuming. But uh, one thing I want to mention to people, actually, let's go through this real quick. Uh, you can locate us on uh, last day's broadcast at buzzsprout.com. You can go Twitter at Schwabstrong. You can search for the last day's emergency broadcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora. Uh, we're on YouTube. And uh, obviously, uh, we're on Twitter and we have a Rumble channel called The Last Days Broadcast. So uh, if we get squeezed on one of these platforms, our hope is that we'll be able to continue posting shows. It seems some of the most faithful listeners um, are, are coming from 
the podcast downloads. And, and I'm pretty blown away, as I've said before, about just each week, the increase of people all over the world that are listening to, to the things that I'm finding and, and finding their uh, strength and hope in the word of God and in things that we talk about in this podcast, even though it's challenging, it's terrifying at some point some respects as you really begin to look at this stuff. But um, ultimately, and I want to share this scripture with you as I was studying tonight, I ran into this scripture and I think it's one of those scriptures of hope that we need in a time period like this, that, that we can't forget in all the insanity, in all the, you know, polarization of our country in the world. Um, I thought about Luke ten nineteen where Jesus said, Behold, I have given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And as we've been sharing on the Last Days of Emergency broadcast, the Great Reset, this push for transhumanism, for uh, you know, the metaverse and, and, and uploading our consciousness into computers so we can have some kind of eternal Godhead in our own mind uh, because we've created some AI duplicate of ourselves in a computer format. But uh, all of these changes uh, that are coming through the fourth industrial revolution and the world economic form and Klaus Schwab and the things that they are pushing are from the power of the enemy. It is an antichrist system that's being built to continue to enslave humanity. They believe they are the gods of this world and they use their occult rituals. They use their power, their technology, their science to manipulate humanity, to just turn the world over. Like some, some of these countries are just chessboards for these people. They don't care about the loss of human life. They don't care about the destruction of people through their misinformation or lies. All they care about is the implementation of this great reset, this great opportunity that they continue to say uh, that they don't want to miss. They don't want to let go. You know, if Trump came out and said, you know, this is, uh, we need to use COVID as a great opportunity to promote the Republican party. I think the the non-stop attacks on the mainstream media and heads exploding about comments like that uh, would would go on for weeks but if you're the world economic forum if you're Greta Thunberg if you're a climate crisis scientist and you say how covid is just an amazing opportunity to implement these things we've been trying to incrementally do for decades uh, nobody even cares you know if you're if you're a uh, you know, an elite billionaire that flies politicians to have sex with children on an island, uh, nobody cares. If you're an actor uh, that's leftist, anti-gun and anti-Trump and you murder somebody, uh, nobody cares. And hey, those are cute Halloween pictures you put out, Alex, uh, after making sure that director's kids wouldn't have a Halloween with their mother ever, ever again. But it just shows the level uh, of, of as Fiona Hill, you know, former ambassador to the Ukraine testified against Donald Trump in the impeachment hearings, as she states that we are in a cold civil war, but it's not what people think. 
This isn't Democrat versus Republican. We got to get that out of our minds. You know, it was one of the things I appreciated this week. If you've been paying attention to the Aaron Rodgers controversy, uh, where he tested positive for the Rona and then said he followed the protocol that Joe Rogan did. And uh, basically that it was nobody's business what he did with his body and people are angry. They're livid. He's not getting lockstep with the, you know, with the corporate agenda, with the globalist agenda and, and fear and what they're supposed to be, the propaganda they're supposed to be promoting uh, for people to go out and be experimented on. But uh, one thing he said, he said, I don't care to be a poster boy for Republicans and I don't care to uh, be beat up by the woke mob. He said, both of you are crazy, basically. And I just believe in my own privacy. I believe in my own bodily autonomy and I don't need to explain that to you. And and I I thought those were pretty brave words because I'm kind of in the same place. There's this insanity that's going on in MAGA universe. And, and if you're a Trump supporter, don't get me wrong. Okay. If right now there was a choice between Biden and Trump, I think I know what direction I would go. Uh, but I don't put my hope in princes. I don't believe that political solutions are going to solve this. As I say, in almost every single podcast, every single recording that, that fundamentally, this is a spiritual battle that we're fighting. I did find an interesting article here. Oh, but just back to my point. Sorry, I got lost there for a second. The best way to control people is to control both sides of the argument. And if there's only two sides to the argument, you can bet that it's being controlled, right? There are people that claim to be Republican or or even some of the things I'm seeing happen in politics are such posturing and peacocking and and attacking, you know, leftist policies and, but, but they're not changing anything. They're not out there overturning any of this unjust legislation or fighting these, uh, you know, tyrannical executive orders. There's a lot of talking or as Greta Thunberg uh, says, a lot of blah, 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 uh, but nobody's doing anything. I- I'm not seeing any progress towards stopping those people that are trying to overthrow this country in their cold civil war. But uh, I found this article as we were talking last week about the second American civil war, that people on the left are putting out this narrative and consistently talking about this cold civil war that we're in. And if, if Trump ends up going back into office, it'll be a hot civil war. They're not saying who they're waging the civil war against, but I think you can probably figure it out. And so let's go over here to the screen capture. I wanted to see this week, if anything else was being said, if there are any other articles being written about, um, let's see here, about this subject. And so, lo and behold, I found out that to just a little bit ago, let me see, was it today? No, it was yesterday. Salon had a commentary in the coming Second American Civil War. Which side are you on? Okay. <laughs> Like they're pushing this narrative. They understand that they are in a war against you, the Christian, the freedom lover, 
the constitutionalist, the true libertarian, the real liberal that just believes, you know, stay away from my life and let me make my own choices and have a right to privacy and have constitutional protections. Um, who, who are these people waging a civil war against? Now, now, mind you, they have a guy on here with his American flag on his face. What a terrorist. Look at that terrorist. Sure, it's unlikely. You know, they clarify. You may think it's impossible, but that's always what people think. Until it's too late. That's what Salon says. If there is a second American Civil War, which side would you choose? It may be wise to make that decision now in the spirit of planning for the worst while hoping for the best. I mean, these people are brain damaged. So they're saying because of a recent public opinion poll by the University of Virginia Center for Politics, a majority of Trump voters want to secede from the union. I'm going to show you about these majority statements and comments uh, and, and just the the level of dishonesty and what uh, people like Salon call journalism. It's important to resist false equivalence and superficial analysis here. It may be true that a large percentage of both Democrats and Republicans are willing to consider seceding from the United States. And let me tell you why this does not matter. So in that DNI, I'm going to show you the report and, and encourage you guys to go look at it. But in that, you know, director of national intelligence report that I was reading earlier today, they were talking about the United States no longer uh, having an influence in the world as they have in, in history, right? And so clear back in 2012, these agents, agencies, organizations and individuals had determined that American dominance on the world stage was going to end and it was going to end systematically. And they had a plan in place. They started initiating it because America has too strong of a message for the rest of the world. It has this insane idea that you have natural rights given to you by God as the pure nature of your creation that men cannot take, that they are inalienable rights that they cannot be abrogated. They, they cannot be taken from you. Um, and that this is a right to all of humanity and that you have the right to freedom of speech. You have a right to self-defense and carry arms. You have a right to the press. The government should not be in your business, that the government is a servant of the people and, and created by the people for the people or else it needs to be abolished once it becomes some sort of controlling tyranny. And so those kind of ideas for a Luciferian globalist empire just really don't fit well together. So they've been plotting this decline for, for quite a long time. And uh, they don't care if we if we're destroyed through our decadence, through drug and alcohol addiction, through the, the pounds and pounds and pounds of lethal fentanyl enough to kill the entire population of the United States continues to flow across open borders and kill record numbers of American, far more people have died from opiate overdoses than from the Rona. I mean, just look it up. People are falling over. It's, it's in everything, Right. I even heard on the East Coast of, of people lacing cannabis with fentanyl. The, the stuff's getting spread around like, like 
chemical warfare against the American people. They don't care if America is destroyed because we start fighting. If they can even foment this civil war, whether it's a racial civil war, whether it's a political civil war, then the great reset people win because you'll be so focused fighting your enemy and and fighting these political battles that they'll continue rolling on with their plan to completely enslave the world. So here's another article. Let's see here. This was more on an individual's uh, like personal commentary, you know, but this theme is continuing every week. There's more articles on it. And, and when you have news like today, you know, and they're saying that uh, 38% and these are from leftist propaganda, you know, mockingbird CIA controlled media. When they're saying Biden's approval is 38%, you know, it's far, far lower. If they have to admit it's at least that low, they are panicking. Or it's intentional, right? We're going to figure all this out uh, once we get to a place of no return and a a lot of these masks come off. I mean, uh, personally, my wife doesn't trust either side. She thinks that uh, Trump is deceiving people. And that in the long run, this this play between these Democrats and Republicans is just a big, beautiful dance of globalists and Satanists that are just keeping everyone entertained with all their false narratives, including psy operations like the Q Project and uh, all these other think tanks when they're really controlling the direction everything is going, which is heading towards uh, that globalist empire. So is a second American civil war on the horizon by Abdullah Muradoglu. Muradoglu, sorry, brother, I don't know how to pronounce your name. But he says the United States experienced a ghastly civil war that lasted between 1861 and 1865. It is estimated that 750,000 people perished in that war that war to end slavery um, in such a racist United States. um, You know, 750,000 people were willing to die over that issue. Let's see here. The U.S., which is waging Cold War against China abroad. They're calling the Republican Party the party of Trump. And stating Biden vote voters view Republicans as fascist and Trumpists view Democrats as socialist. In a political American culture, being a socialist is equivalent to being a communist. That's why Republicans often see Democrats as would-be supporters of the totalitarian regime of the Soviet Union during the Cold War era. But look at the type of... Hold on a second here. The type of, of madness that, you know, vaccine passports, we got leftists in Australia uh, pushing to put people into quarantine camps, even if they're not sick, but to protect them from sick people. We have massive amounts of propaganda and multiple people that have survived and, and are actually living in America and, and having uh, an impact on American culture have been blowing the whistle, whether they're from Romania or or former Soviet Republic, uh, even in the Orthodox Church. You know, I've met uh, 
uh, Russian Orthodox churches, uh, individuals that have grown up in in Soviet communism, and you know, when I asked them, "How do you feel about all this Russian collusion talk? How do you how do you feel about you know the American media just constantly talking about Russia, Russia, Russia?" And they said, "You know, what I see is what happened to us during collectivism in the Soviet Union, where you are so propagandized, your media is so full of pop." propaganda it scares me and that's pretty crazy when it when a person that grew up in soviet russia says they're afraid of what's happening in the united states of america and then this guy talks about the salon piece called in the coming american civil war what side are you on and then there's another one i didn't get to so people are still talking about this issue Oh, I have so many articles to go through. And, and and that wasn't even where I was going in this show today. You know, I've been doing a lot of study on these these globalist institutions through the United Nations that have been pushing, you know, one world religion that has been pushing uh, different infiltration of religious groups to promote this one world ideology of, of how religion should be from, from the equality people, from the coexist people. And I want to show you guys uh, some of that. But, but in that, I started searching today just the term 2030. I thought, you know, what would happen if I just put 2030 into Google? We know that Google, you know, is obviously censoring results. They tend to push towards this leftist great reset ideology and censors anything that challenges the official narrative. So I thought if I put 2030 in Google, I'll probably get some good leftist material about what propaganda they want everybody to 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 just gobble up. And and sure enough, I just began to read article after article. And I'm telling you, 2030 when when AOC you know, back in 2018, 19, 20, whenever that was. And she was like, we only have eight years left. We only have 12 years left and the world's going to end. She was talking about these predictions from the UN, which is, which is the, the purpose of some of this great reset nonsense that's happening, that something dramatic is going to happen in 2030. You don't have to be a conspiracy theorist, just Type that into your Google search engine and begin to read all the articles about 2030. And they're going to stop this by 2030. And they want this done by 2030. And if we don't stop here by 2030, and that number seems to play a very significant role. Now, here's one thing that... Here, let me show you one article. This is from Wired.com. I was going fast today. I should have put some notes about why I put this article... But um, if I put it here, I know it was, it was about this 2030 issue and it's saying, here's what the world will look like in 2030, right? These six visions from humans today span space colonies, genetic and straight up apocalypse. Welcome to the moon base. They're going to say, there it is. That, that we're going to have some kind of base on the moon by 2030. But climate apocalypse now, read this right here. In October 2018, the UN warned that humanity has 12 years left to avoid catastrophe. This is what AOC was talking about. 
to avoid catastrophic climate change. That means by 2030, we'll need to cut global greenhouse gas emissions in half, not so much a tall order as a towering one, given that emissions are still rising year by year. That's why California is passing things like banning gas vehicles by 2030. So what can we do? This is what the Wired article says. For one, we need carbon taxes the world over. Release greenhouse gases and you pay a fee. Yeah, we're going to give a global government uh, the ability to tax you for existing. All they have to do is say this activity hurts the environment, is is contributing to climate change, and then they can tax you and make you pay a fee. And if they can make you pay a fee, then they can destroy your life because they just keep tacking those things on until you comply with the behavior they want to get from you. When I say they, I'm talking about these great reset criminals. And, uh, you know, they're the ones that, that get to determine who pays and why. And then if you don't pay, they come and take your house. They take everything from you and they crush you. Let me talk about DNA. I think that was the main point. Another thing they keep talking is that they want to eradicate poverty by 2030. Goodbye poverty. Predictions for the future often have a sci-fi bent, jetpacks, blah, blah, blah. But they talk about the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. You'll see that a lot when you look at 2030. And one of those things they're saying they're going to eliminate poverty from the entire world by 2030. So in eight years, there won't be poor people anymore. Is that because they've killed them all? I'm not sure. But something is, is moving that to that point, you know, and then I caught this article and this is what it's really about. I've been seeing all these articles lately about, you know, post-human era and that by 2030, we won't even be human anymore because of DNA alterations, because of, um, you know, being merged with machines, but that basically it's a transhuman agenda. And if you think about this, man is made in the image of God. Satan hates man because Satan hates God, right? And, and, And wants to destroy man because it is from man, the seed of the woman, that the head of the serpent would be crushed. And so he destroys and perverts and destroys and perverts. And so this perversion of humanity is an intentional marring of the image of God. So Mario Gabriel, this is at techcrunch.com, and his title says, The coronavirus has hastened the post-human era. And again, you keep seeing these themes reoccurring with these peoples that in 2030, things are going to change. We're going to eliminate poverty. We're going to stop people from having carbon emissions. Uh, The post-human era is here. No longer are we going to be human beings. He says, conventional names. This guy, uh, he talks about a professor that changed his name to FM 2030 which uh, stood for Future Man 2030, and this was back in the 70s. So this this plan, this ideology of, of whatever's going to happen in 2030 has been uh, going on for a long time. 
and he began to espouse his new concepts of the human, discussing the steps necessary to transition to the age of post-humanity, because you humans are just a dirty virus on the world. The only thing you're good for is to uh, be useless eaters and to be slaves for the globalist gods uh, that want you to run their machines. I'd encourage you to look this out, techcrunch.com. The coronavirus has hastened the post-human era. And then there was another article I saw on CNBC where it said robots may replace up to 800 million workers by 2030. And that's another theme you'll continue to see with this great reset is this, uh, you know, they're saying they're going to make it better for humanity, but even we're seeing these ads for Meta by Facebook is just people, you know, sitting like drones with these masks on their head, living in an alternate universe. And so, excuse me. Um, I always think I hit mute on this. There, see, I hit it that time. Anyways, so I got some more here. So the 2030 agenda, let's take a peek at this. And the reason I'm going through this and I want you to understand what they are saying is because the the cold civil war that people like Fiona Hill are talking about is the, the globalist war against sovereign nations. Uh, you know, recently Joe Biden came out and said things like Hungary is not a democratic nation and they're setting their sights on Hungary. Why? Because hun- Hungary is an unapologetically Christian nation. They won't allow mass migration. They won't uh, promote other religious beliefs in their government. They have determined that Hungary is going to be a Christian nation and uh, nobody has a right to interfere with their sovereignty, but this globalist beast system says otherwise. So I was looking up the International Peace Institute. And one thing you continually see with this 2030 agenda is, is this idea of peace and safety, peace and safety. We're going to bring peace to the world. We're going to bring safety to the world. And there's a scripture about that I'm going to talk about here in a second. But localizing the 2030 agenda, I want you to grasp this. And if you've never heard of this, to do research on this, because this is the active plan that's being followed by multiple organizations and and corporations and institutions like the World Economic Forum. So here's what it says. In 2015, world leaders adopted the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development, which includes 17 sustainable development goals, right? The 2030 Agenda reaffirmed there can be no sustainable development without peace and no peace without development. What does this mean in practice? And they start talking about these SDUs, these sustainable development goals. This is where they get the idea and you hear politicians talking about net zero and and the threat against climate change and poverty and human sexuality. And there's this appearance that all of these things are good. You know, they're trying to eliminate poverty. They're trying to reduce conflict and war. But when you begin to dig into who's doing this, it's like, it's like 
Jack the Ripper, you know, saying that he wants to become a pediatrician because he loves children or a gynecologist because he, he loves women. Like, you you know he's Jack the Ripper and you know what he does to women and you're like, that's insane. It's insane for people of this character. You know, when they put people like Iran as the head of the human rights division, the human rights chair of, of UN when they're imprisoning people or China you know, when they have concentration camps, slave labor camps, the, the Uyghurs are, are getting kidnapped and, and put into these camps and <laughs> social credit scores and the complete lockdown of their society, yet they are champions of human rights. And you begin to see the insanity in these institutions. And a lot of people aren't paying attention. They're not paying attention to what the UN and these other agencies are putting forward when they are really running the show. They're the ones that are putting these demands on the United States. They're the ones that are spending money like George Soros uh, to, to be engaged in the American electoral process and spend a lot of money to put people that align with this UN Agenda 2030 um, into office in America so they can continue to destabilize, remove the rule of law, and and make America the joke across the world. And so I just wanted to show you this brief article where, where they're just talking about peace and safety, and it's all about 2030. And I encourage you to go out there after you listen to this show and just search 2030. Don't even put any context to it. Just go on Google, put in 2030 and look at the avalanche of articles about what they want to do, what they're doing. And the one thing that's going to be primary in this antichrist system, it's, it's what there's going to be a global worship of the beast. That's what the scriptures say that they're going to worship the beast this is going to be a religious system filled with deception, signs, and wonders. And I thought while I was reading all these articles on peace, here, let me get over here, you know, because we got to have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. But I, I see these people in the world talking about peace and safety and how their agendas are going to bring peace and safety. And Jesus said, actually, this was Paul speaking to the Thessalonians but he was echoing the words of Jesus that when people say peace and safety, this, this destruction is going to come when there's this global attitude of, of peace and safety. And, and Paul says, but of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night for when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as travail upon a woman with child and they shall not escape. But you brethren are not in darkness that the day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Let us watch and be sober. But when they say, when who? The world. When they say peace and safety, when this Antichrist figure brings this false peace, this false unity, this false religion to the world, then sudden destruction will come. And here's what they're trying to do. So one of the articles I was looking up 
was about the religious infiltration of this 2030 agenda. And so I found this article in lutheranworld.org and Lutherans aren't the only religious denomination. I'm about to show you that in Dubai right now, they are building, it's called the, the pretty much like the house of Abraham. And it is a center of worship for the three Abrahamic faiths, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity probably combine the three largest religion, you know, the largest religion, these Abrahamic faiths in the entire world. If you put all the Jews, Christians, and Muslims together, they pretty much, you know, total a very majority religious population on this globe. And so, the UN is is advocating and has been ad, advocating to utilize spiritual leaders in order to push, you know, the sustainable development goals, to push Agenda 2030, to push the Great Reset. But when you begin to see what they put together as religious ideology, you see it's actually the denial of people's faith. It's it's a s- syncretic mashing together of of everything that takes away all of their individuality, right? And so the Lutheran World Federation has this article when they're in Vatican City, Vatican, they're working very closely with the Pope, where it says faith-based organizations are uniquely placed to support the UN's 2030 agenda. Lutheran World Foundation General Secretary speaks at International Conference in the Vatican. Let me switch over here. On religions and the sustainable development goals. And they were urging faith-based organizations to play a more incisive role in the implementation of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, right? And so they're pushing this, pushing this, climate change, racial justice, social justice. It's all this this globalist Marxism that's trying to create conflict so that these world leaders can come and give the answer. And in this article, they start talking about how we must, you know, use the SDG agenda and it must be shaped by the human rights framework for uh, which is under threat in many parts of the world today. Because, you know, if you say somebody else's belief system is illogical or incorrect, like Jesus, he wouldn't have gotten along very well with these people. You know, when he came and said, there's only one way, there's only one God, there's only one truth, there's only one life. When the apostles say that we were to contend for the faith that God had come to man with the revelation of what our problem was and what the solution is, and that there wasn't a lot of variance in that. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Not very inclusive, Jesus, <laughs> but uh, you know, he wasn't pushing the UN sustainable development goals. And of course, here's a quote from the general secretary. I want to strongly advocate for a much clearer focus on children and youth in the Agenda 2030. We are heading toward an intergenerational conflict. Isn't that what Jesus said? He said that houses would be divided against each other, that children would sell out their parents unto death, that a sword would come in to the homes 
and 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 father would be divided against mother because of the gospel because of biblical truth and so these agencies are realizing they know they're not going to change anyone like me they're not going to change my ideology i know who jesus christ is i am unapologetically christian and can defend my belief system philosophically historically uh, in real time and explain to people why I don't believe it's my opinion, but is a foundational understanding of our actual reality in this universe, right? So they have to go after the kids. They have to go after the kids, which is why there is this push, this deeper push for even uh, schooling before kindergarten. Just turn your kids over to the state as soon as they're born. Make the economy so that it's impossible you know, to to have one working head of the household where you have to have mother and father out there. And, and you know, just the fact it's country controversial that I say mother and father just shows you how far uh, we are over the ledge, right? But to create it difficult for people to raise their children and then the state uses these systems for indoctrination. And then uh, the doctor praised the leadership of both the Eucumenical Patriarch Bartholomew and Pope Francis. That's the head of the Eastern Orthodox Church. Well, not the head of the Eastern Orthodox Church. There is no head of the Eastern Orthodox Church like Roman Catholics. We don't have a pope. There isn't a pope in orthodoxy. But uh, he is, you know, the Eucumenical Patriarch. He's one of the big wigs of... uh, Orthodox Christianity working in conjunction with the Pope to push this one world religious system. And we're going to get into the gospel of peace here in just a minute. But I want you to understand that this is the war they're talking about. It's a war of ideas. And I can't go through every article. I wanted to show you guys this little picture right here is of the Abrahamic uh, faith. Oh, yeah, here's one other thing I thought was interesting. Let me show you this first. So not only is the UN pushing for a goal on 2030, but there is an organization, which I think this is this is phenomenal. And it's called Finish 2030. And, and at first I thought this was like another weird globalist UN agenda Uh, trying to merge Christianity. It's a global church network, but they say that 2030, according to them, is the 200th birthday of the church. And uh, the global church network is a growing team of influential leaders from the church ministry and business world who are committed to fulfilling the great commission in our lifetime. I'm not sure what they mean by the 200th birthday of the church, maybe 2000th birthday of the church, but their movement is to preach the gospel in the entire world by 2030, which 
if you know anything about biblical prophecy, it's just another aligning factor. It's something that people couldn't have said 500 years ago, 200 years ago, that the Bible says before the end comes, the gospel will be preached to the entire world. That's scripture 101. Jesus said it. The apostles said it. And here we have this group that they're saying we're serious, we're keeping statistics, we are going to preach the gospel to the entire globe by 2030. And someone else is going to have to explain what they mean by the 200th birthday of the church. I didn't read a whole lot about this. Um, wait, let's go Y 2030 here. Why 2030? We can no longer think in terms of the West going to the rest. The global church has been growing, maturing, and thriving in a world, regions outside North America and Europe. The result of this tremendous growth in global Christianity is that by 2030, 70% of the global missions force will be from continents not called North America. At this very moment, missionaries from every world religion are sharing the gospel in every world or missionaries from every world region are sharing the gospel in every world region. Every day, this global missions force, force grows larger and larger. And so it's just a number of things that as I look at prophecy, as I look like as I look at what must be fulfilled in this day and age in order for Christ to return this world system to be destroyed, that's one of them. And uh, these people are serious. And so, ultimately, they're going to bring about this world religion. And this is where the real civil war it's going to come out to play because as I've told you, the closer we get, the deeper we get into the great tribulation or the birth pains or whatever you want to call it. Um, whoops. Then the next step is um, Christian persecution. We're going to see a worldwide persecution of the church. I'm trying to pull up this other article because we got to watch this. I want you to watch this. I'm following these guys on Twitter. Abrahamic family house in Abu Dhabi, Abu Dhabi, to open in 2022, a cultural landmark in the United Arab Emirates capital, which includes a synagogue, a church, and a mosque is meant to be a beacon of understanding and peaceful coexistence inspired by the document on human fraternity, which is a document on human fraternity, which is very Masonic and occultic, not that we shouldn't want to have a human fraternity, but God's solution was the gospel that in Christ there is no Jew or Greek, male or female, there is no race, that we all become one under God, the God of the Bible. But I want to show you why this is Antichrist, right? So the Abrahamic family house derives its name from the Old Testament biblical figure. Abraham was recognized and greatly revered by Jews, Christians, and Muslims. And it's just about 
eucumenicalism. It's, it's about bringing all the religions together to say that they're all the same and to work for peace and harmony as one, which is not possible. Why? Because all of these faiths have competing views on reality and the ultimate state of man once he dies, as well as the underlying problem of humanity and how to fix it. They're all different worldviews. So, you know, when people tell me and they're like, well, all, all religions pretty much te teach the same thing. That just tells me right off the gate that you probably haven't studied any of those religions because that's absolutely false. Judaism, Islam, and Christianity do not teach these same things. Matter of fact, Judaism and Islam are closer to each other than Christianity in any of them. And it all comes down to the same thing. Who is Jesus Christ? Jews say he is not the Jewish Messiah. He is not the Messiah of Israel. Islam says he was just a prophet. That Muhammad is the greater prophet for Islam. Christianity says Jesus is the Messiah and he is the only way, truth, and life. Both Islam and Judaism do not teach resurrection from the dead or Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, which denying the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is actually a denial of Christianity because Christianity is all about the death, resurrect, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and what that means for humanity. So the only way that Christians could participate in this is to deny that reality and accept that these other two false religions are on equal footing with a Christian understanding of the world. And that's just not possible. And you can debate me on this. We, we can always have a talk about why you think I'm wrong in this. All right, I'm going to check something here. Marilyn, enjoy your perspectives. Are you well past the issues of CPS and how they treated your family? Marilyn, you asked me this question before, and I'm going to answer in the same way. That right now, while these things are happening, while our country is plunging into civil war, CPS is not going to be defeated in the way that we needed to do it previously. It's just not going to happen. All of these agencies and organizations are going to be aligned for destroying this country. And so let's talk about the gospel of peace. Because one part of the Christian armor, and as you go back through these these teachings, that what we're talking about is what is happening in this world. That, that we are not fighting flesh and blood, that these are principalities, powers, and spiritual wickedness in high places. I was going to go through, I was reading some things on, on early America and William Penn and, and just the historical revisionism that I'm seeing by these groups that want to deny that America was a Christianized country. That's really why they hate the history of America. It is about a people coming to a land with the gospel and some of the consequences that occurred in that. There were weaknesses in the ancestors of this country. There were blind spots and shortcomings and injustices that the systems they created ultimately were set in place to repair those deficiencies because change on a massive scale is not that easy with humans. 
And by reading these documents and just seeing how much the founding fathers and people in those generations spoke about God, about the Bible, about Jesus Christ, about the freedom of religion and the understanding of the separation of church and state, not to be that we became some materialist, atheist uh, republic that, that had no faith, that, that denounced God, that was never in the mind of the founders. But until we get back to those founding ideas of this, this country, like George Washington said, there's no better book. And this is a, not an exact quote, but he basically said, there's no other way, no better way to govern man than through an understanding of the Bible. And so I wanted to go through what was happening to show you that this war is real and it's going to get worse and you need to understand this. That's why they keep telling you this is the new normal. They're not going to let you go back to just being asleep. You're either going to let these people destroy you and your children, or you're going to wake up and you're going to start fighting, but you're going to start fighting in a way that actually is efficacious and begins to change the world around you because you're doing it from a place of understanding and the power of, of spiritual battle. And so in all of these things we went through that we have to have a belt of truth and we have to have a girded understanding that, yes, these people reject Christ. Yes, they're here. Here's what they, this is the religion that they want to promote. Let me, let me show you something just real quick. I just put antichrist. Okay. So the world economic forum has all these articles on the role of faith. If you know anything about Christianity, you'll automatically see the Antichrist nature of what they're trying to do. So they're always about the same thing. So this is the World Economic Forum. This is the center of the Great Reset and Klaus Schwab. And just look at some of these articles. All woman Islamic choir smashes gender taboos. How followers of the world's religions have changed over time. You go read those and they show just people are just, you know, they're not as uh, dogmatic about their beliefs, that we all relatively believe the same thing. Faith leaders are taking a stand against LGBT plus, that's the new thing, LGBT plus uh, discrimination. COVID-19, the role of faith leaders in rebuilding the post-pandemic world. And it shows a faith leader with, or at least a person with his little mask on, his little evidence of submission. Love your neighbor, Islam, Judaism, and Christianity come down over COVID-19. Women are more likely than men to live alone and being a single parent. I don't know what that has to do. Faith leaders and untapped resource in protecting community. Corporates often forget religious diversity. Here's why they should not. The more you go into this, it gets about sexuality. It gets about social justice. It's not about Jesus Christ. It's not about uh, sorry, 
Oh, here's one. Hema writes, a gay imam story. The dialogue is open in Islam 10 years ago. It wasn't. So it's whatever agenda the World Economic Forums believes is the right agenda to push on your religious denomination or belief system is what's going to be the dominant religious thought or you're going to, or, or they're going to come after you just like they do politically and say that, you know, what you're saying is not true. You're a fundamentalist. You're like a Taliban. If you're a Christian or Jewish or anyone that, that believes that their belief system is true in and of itself is, is not equal to other religions that is teaching and preaching and raising their children in what they believe in the core of their faith and their historical faith, those people are going to be attacked and destroyed. Good answer. Marilyn said, Oh no. I mean, I said it last time, Marilyn, I, I really mean it. Like, Right now, how, how are people fighting DCF? They're using DCF for unvaccinated parents. You can't even go in the courthouses right now. We can't have court watchers. We can't go into the Capitol and work on legislation like we used to. Everything has been so closed up and tightened up. And, and here's the deal. With all these executive or orders and powers that are being exercised unlawfully by governments, it's only going to get worse. And so I believe we have to get to the core of this fight. What is this fight really about? Which is why I'm doing this series on, on spiritual warfare. Put on the whole armor of God. And so this series being called the second civil war or the gospel of peace, the part one got really a lot of views and a lot of sharing and a lot of people listening uh, more than ever through the whole show. And, you know, I can see those statistics because I think everybody's feeling this. People understand what I'm saying. And so as Christians, and, and this is the thing that's grieving me, okay? So when I was an evangelical undergraduate, I got kicked out because at the height after 9-11, when America began to invade Afghanistan and Iraq, and I seen these Christians that were promoting warfare, that were promoting torture, that were saying George Bush, the Illuminati, skull and bones uh, deceiver, whose grandfather was a Luciferian, a theosophist, a, a disciple of Madame Blavatsky, look her up, Alice Bailey, they worship the devil. That's what theosophy is. Lucifer is the light bringer. George Bush's grandfather was a Satanist, and they even say it in his biographies. But I was seeing these Christians because of books like The Faith of George Bush and, and what a great Christian he was, promoting this awful war based on false pretenses where where even previously, because of some of our sanctions, uh, hundreds of thousands of children had died through starvation, through sanctions, through America forcing its will upon the globe. And I began to preach this. I, I began to challenge people in my school system and in the Christian faith that if they believed that these things were true, that just war theory was correct, that the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan fell under those doctrines. Let's have a public debate about this. And what happened is I got suspended 
from my evangelical college and then went all over this country warning people that by embracing this deception, it would bring greater consequences in the future and, and we're here. And so in this set of armor that we know these things are happening, and again, I'm seeing this disturbing trend of people that say they believe in patriotism and God and faith, but they're, they're angry and they're proud and they're attacking the other Their feet are not shod with the gospel of peace. Their goal is not to, as much as belongs to us, live in peace with all men. It's to dominate our enemies. It's talking about executing people and warfare and civil war and and this element of pride in mocking and putting down those that we disagree with. And that's really put a strong check in my spirit about, about the MAGA group and people. Because in a way, it's, it's a political religiosity. Like, I don't care how many flags you have on your truck. What are we doing in real time to resist this globalist takeover of the world in this Luciferian system. What are you doing to roll back in your communities the Marxism, the racism from uh, groups like uh, BLM utilizing race warfare instead of class warfare to divide this country? How are we defeating that? Because again and again and again and again, I'm going to warn that if whatever happens does not come with repentance and does not come with an active application of the gospel of peace in our country, it will be for nothing. Mark my words. Because it can't. Because the only hope and salvation for America and you and me is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And and specifically, I want to talk about being shod with the gospel of peace. What does that mean? What does that look like? How should we be dealing with this civil war? What if it turns to a hot civil war? What should our response as Christians be? And I don't believe it's just cut and dry. There's many people on the pacifist side that's going to say, you you should never use physical violence against a person. You're going to have people that are revolutionary, you know, like reformer, Protestant Christians that believe that that the American Revolution was was uh, God's you know grace upon the world, and that killing our enemy sometimes is the only solution, which I don't necessarily see in the Scripture, but that's a whole nother conversation. But the key in this battle is to be shod with the gospel of peace. And and here's one thing: peace is used 429 times in the Bible, so it's a very important word. And in the Hebrew, when it's talking about peace, it's the word shalom. And it's not just like peace as in the absent, absence of conflict. It's peace as in wholeness, as in healing, as in completeness, as, as being in the whole and healthy state as we are created to be uh, before the fall, before sin and destructive forces, demonic forces began to ruin us as as people of God. 
made in the image of God, right? So shalom is, is a return to that, that wholeness, that peacefulness. And so when I think about Paul, when he's saying about shodding our feet with the gospel of peace, you know, in one, he's telling us to stand. He's telling us to stand in this verse. And, you know, the Roman soldier that he was probably looking at, because when he wrote this, he was in prison. So he's talking about how we should fight, how we should treat our enemies. Look at this Roman soldier. And he's, he's using the application of what he's seeing into a spiritual context. And the, the Roman sandal had nails in it so that you could stand. And the enemy's coming against you solidly with your shield. You could dig your feet in, right? And we're digging in with this gospel of peace. With no matter how the enemy is pushing us, we're understanding that ultimately our goal for all men is redemption because all are under the sway of the evil one. That's what the scripture says. So Isaiah the prophet in 52.7, let me switch my, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called sons of God or children of God. But I'm thinking about this. Isaiah 52.7, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who bring good news who proclaim peace, who bring glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. That's what I'm saying to you tonight, people. If this stuff disturbs your heart, if it challenges you, if you're frustrated, you're watching all the anger between the political parties, let me tell you something. You have the power to trample serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy to overcome it but your god reigns these things must be so we're moving towards a conclusion so paul also in the book of romans as he's writing this letter to the roman church he says in romans 10:13 for whoever calls upon the name of the lord shall be saved I'm going to tell you that tonight, that no matter what's happening. You know, we heard this tragedy that happened over the weekend at a concert and all this demonic imagery. And it was all about going through a portal into another world and in all seeing eyes and all this Illuminati symbolism. And these people died during this concert. No matter what situation you find yourself in, no matter how drastic or dramatic it may seem or life-threatening or or horrible whoever calls upon the name of the lord jesus christ shall be saved don't ever forget that don't ever think that you're beyond hope don't ever think that you've out god because where grace abounds where sin abounds grace abounds much more i, I heard a, a monk and he said you know if you take a handful of sand and threw it in the ocean that's about equivalent your sins being overcome by god's grace it's impossible it's impossible and if you repent and call upon the name of the lord you'll be saved but he says in 14 how shall they call on him who they have not believed and how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher and how shall they preach unless they are sent as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. And I know sometimes this show 
may not seem to be bringing glad tidings of good things, but in in one sense, I have to prepare you with the information. There's some red pilling that needs to occur with everybody to understand of what is happening. This is not a conspiracy theory. I call this the last day's emergency broadcast because it is. In each day, over these next few years, we are going to see things getting crazier and crazier and crazier, but there are good things. The gospel of peace can bring us peace even in these times. Or like this scripture says, where Jesus said in Matthew 5, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. We make peace. We try to stop violence and conflict. We bless. We love. We have to be undergirded, which is not about winning against our enemy. It's not about proving people that they're intellectually wrong. We got to be able to stand in the truth. That's, That's the first part of this whole battle. But we have to do it coming from a position of love. We have to do it coming from an understanding that these people have been taken captive by Satan to do his will, as the Apostle Paul said, that they're prisoners as well. As much as people despise Hillary Clinton, how much more powerful than a Hillary Clinton that ended up in prison and jailed and destroyed, how much more powerful would be a Hillary Clinton that had repented and began to expose the evil things of darkness that are actually occurring and that Jesus Christ did an amazing work in and you begin to see power, signs, and wonders coming from her life in a healing, in a restitution, how would that not shake the foundations of this evil world system? Which would be better? Romans 12, 20. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. That our response to all of this political anger, to this civil war, should be ultimately the redemption of our neighbor. Martin Luther King Jr. understood this. I've read a lot of his speeches. I've read a lot of his biographies where he took a Gandhian idea and even an idea from Jesus Christ that nonviolent resistance against tyranny actually would work because ultimately the conscience of the people that were afflicting evil upon you, because the universe naturally bends towards justice and everyone does have a consciousness of God, even if they've silenced it, even if they've seared it where they cannot hear it anymore, they still have it. So as you're doing good to their evil, it's heaping coals on their head. That's our preparation on our feet. We're not coming in an aggressive uh, attack posture in this battle. We're not being deceived by the puppets in front of us as if they are the true enemy, that we understand who the true enemy is and its principalities, powers, and spiritual wickedness in high places, and we must expose it and speak that truth in love. Matthew 5:44 but I say to you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you as this persecution comes as people are locked in jails as 
You know, we want to make sure that our resistance is biblical in a sense so that whatever we suffer, we can do so with joy. That when those who would speak evil of us, they have to lie to do it. And that we pray for those enemies. And this is going to shock some people, might even lose some listeners, but do you pray for Joe Biden? Do you pray for the humbling and repentance of Trump? Do you pray for the exposure of these wicked forces in our government and for the redemption of Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer? Or or do we get engaged in the mockery? I know it's hard. I know it's hard because I have to fight it as well. You know, it's much easier to hate your enemy than it is to love your enemy. It's so much easier to want to to plan and inflict violence and to enforce your will upon a person rather than suffer under injustice and to bless those that curse us. Paul said in Romans 14, 19, so then we pursue the things which make for peace. When we're coming into these circumstances, when they're coming at us with the sword of war, when they're demeaning us and lying about us and calling us bigots and homophobes and Islamophobes and hate mongers, we pursue the things which make for peace. When a man is favored by the Lord, even his enemies are at peace with him. That's what the Bible says. Now, these aren't absolute principles. They're guiding principles of reality. You know, sometimes your enemy is going to kill you. I mean, that's what happened to Jesus. But there was a greater plan that was occurring that was going to bring redemption and salvation to all. Luke 6 says, Blessed are you when men shall hate you. I know it doesn't feel like a blessing when that's happening. And when they shall separate you from their company, you know, when they say, get out, you can't be in this store. You don't have a Vax ID. You, you're not capitulating to this beast system. Instead of getting angry, we should re- rejoice. We should thank God that we're standing in the truth, that we're refusing to participate in the lie. And so these things will come when they shall reproach you and cast out your name as evil for the son of man's sake. Now that's the key word. And you may say, well, oh, standing against this Rona stuff, that's that's not for Jesus. That's that's for something else. No. When there are lies and propaganda, misrepresentations and harm being done to humanity, to stand against that darkness, to expose that evil is standing for Jesus Christ. It's being people of truth. In Romans 12, 18, if possible, so as far as depends on you, be at peace with all men. Hebrews 12, 14, pursue peace with all men in sanctification, which no one will see the Lord. I've seen people use that scripture and they're like, uh, actually it says pursue peace with all men and, and holiness without which no one shall see the world word in, in King James. And, and, you know, people will just quote that part about holiness. Holiness, you can't see the Lord. No, he's saying, if you're not pursuing peace with all men, you can't see the Lord either. That that John says, if we don't love, we don't know God. 
and I'm not talking about love that these people that are persecuting me, that I'm not going to suffer, that I'm not going to feel pain, that I'm not, you know, going to be hurt in my heart by what they do. I, but I'm not going to have this warm, fluffy feeling towards them. I'm going to have an action of love. I'm going to reach out and say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do and understand that these people are enslaved and have compassion on them. And so part of that peace in standing and being prepared in the gospel of peace is like I said in in the last episode, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, be anxious for nothing. But in all things, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. See, when we set our mind on prayer, thanksgiving, and a spiritual understanding of what's going on around us, this peace will guard our hearts. We won't go into these conflicts with angst and anxiety and anger and disruption. And if there's a politician or a political party or anything going on in your life that's creating a hatred in you or a pride in you or, or a desire to want to see people hurt or destroyed, we are not in the spirit of Christ. Let me tell you a story. So Jesus walked into the city and there's these brothers they were called the sons of thunder probably because of you know what they were talking about but uh these people didn't receive jesus and that the sons of thunder said lord do you want us to call fire from heaven and destroy these sinners like elijah did you know and in the old covenant when the prophet elijah battled against the demonic priests of baal uh, fire from heaven came down and those priests were destroyed, physically destroyed. In that covenant, uh, that was a, a carnal manifestation of a spiritual reality that we don't live in that anymore. And Jesus looked at them that, that thought they were being righteous. We're going to destroy these wicked people. We're going to get these wicked people out of here. He said, you don't know what spirit you are of. For the Son of Man came to save life, not destroy it. One Peter three ten and eleven, for he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain, refrain his tongue from evil, and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace, and pursue it. These are actions. These are activities. Isaiah twenty six three says, "You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you." keep seeing this light flashing. I don't know if my wife's signaling me to be quiet, but Romans 8, 6, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is, is life and peace. You want peace? Be spiritually minded. Great peace have those who love your law, the law of God, and nothing causes them to stumble. These are just some of the scriptures that talk about peace. And by piecing them together and looking at what the scripture is saying, ultimately, where we go, where we're traveling with our feet, the most disarming thing we can do to the enemy of God's people, 
to those who are seeking to destroy this world, to get people to come together under a false religion, a Luciferian umbrella of eucumenic, eucumenical worship like the, the Abrahamic family in Abu Dhabi, um, is to love them, is to understand that they think they're doing right, some of them. Others are outright deceiving and they don't care. They're laughing at you. Others know exactly what they're doing and they're preparing the way for the Antichrist to come. Who He's not going to come looking like a devil, guys. He's not going to come and, and advocating the murder of Christians and the destruction of humanity. He's going to come with a message of prosperity, of peace, of your protection and your safety, of your goodness. But it's going to also be tied to a, a level of supernatural power and ability that will bring deception upon all. And so again, I'm going to encourage people through this holiday season to meditate on this gospel of peace, on how Jesus Christ dealt with his enemies, including the religious leaders, the political leaders, the political parties. If you don't think there were political parties in the time of Christ, there were. I mean, if you look at his disciple list, he had people that were potentially end uh, scenes that lived out in the desert, uh, like John the Baptist, because he ate locust and honey, and that was one of their diets. They were separatist. They were the ones that had the Dead Sea Scrolls that we found, or or some believe uh, Jewish or Jewish <laughs> Judas Iscariot is a poor translation, and he was actually what was called a Sicari, which was a Jewish revolutionary that conducted assassinations on Romans, right? So you have Peter the Zealot. The Zealots were the ones that refused to surrender at Masada and committed suicide, hundreds of them, rather than being taken prisoners by Rome. You had the Sadducees, which were like our liberal intellectuals of the day, you know, that didn't believe in the resurrection. They only took the parts of the Bible that applied to this life, didn't believe in anything spiritual, and most of them were fairly wealthy. And then you had the Pharisees that were like the religious fundamentalists. They were like the Christian coalition or, or you know, these, these people that were fanatical but unloving, that were religious but hypocritical. And Jesus didn't align with any of these groups. As a matter of fact, he rebuked almost every single one of them in some way, shape, fashion, or form because none of them held the ultimate solution, which was the peace of God, which surpasses understanding that was brought to us through the cross, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ where Jesus tore down the enmity between Jew and Gentile, between male and female, between races, to bring people from every tribe, nation, and sect and language around the world into one people, one people committed to true love and to true peace and to true goodness and to shalom, to wholeness, to life, to health, to the kingdom of God where there was going to be no pain or no suffering or no evil thing. The messianic vision of our future. 
See, man is trying to create a utopia apart from God. And it's like we have this echo in our soul that deep down we understand. We know that something is fundamentally wrong with humanity, with ourselves. You know, we know right or wrong in our minds, and yet we we live in these self-destructive patterns of behavior or even are blind to our own sins. And, and part of the way that we learn this gospel of peace to our enemies is to understanding our own sins and weaknesses and looking at ourselves as God looks at us, looking at the law of God and seeing how far we fall short of those things. Like for myself, I, I when I say I'm the chief of sinners, as Paul said about himself, I mean it. I know where my life has been. I know my struggles with addiction and perversion and rebellion from God and and evil things and how I was brought from the pit of despair, from being, you know, in the swine pit, eating the pods of the pig, you know, wasted all of my livelihood, destroyed my own life and family and to be raised up from that into a place beyond my own imagination where I could be as a father and a husband, as a professional in this world that's gone completely insane. And knowing where God has brought me from, it's hard for me to hate others. But it's also hard with the massive level of deception and stupidity in our country and in the world. Not only in people ignoring just the blatant obvious signs of what's happening and what's coming. And embracing this destructive propaganda that's killing people. And rejecting their only hope and salvation, which is in Jesus Christ. It's madness, and it's going to get worse. But one thing I must be committed to in this battle is to pursue peace with all, which is to bless and to not curse, which is to not promote or enact violence on my brother or on my fellow man which is to bring them the gospel of peace, which is a message about peace between man and man and man and God that's going to culminate in the kingdom of God when Christ shall rule and reign as he is going to return, guys. And I know that sounds ludicrous, but I'm telling you, it's not any more ludicrous than believe we came from some protoplasma and then turned into fish, then turned into monkeys and turned into people. That's crazy fantasy. But that we are created by God and that we are created in the image of God, all of us. Some are further from what that means than others. We're all far away in different ways. But ultimately, he who would love life and see good days Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. See, we have to understand this peace before we get to the next part of this this spiritual battle, which is the sword of the Spirit and what that means. Our only offensive weapon in this battle and how we're supposed to use it and what it is. And I guarantee you it's not to kill people and take them out. And so this was a hard couple 
weeks for me in studying these things and, and just challenging my own life and my response to the politics in my country, what I'm seeing happen in the world, my own lack of peace that I feel sometimes as I'm observing these things going on and just understanding that let our feet be shod, that when we find ourselves getting aggravated, getting drawn down that path of bitterness, that we would more firmly just latch those shoes on our feet and be de- determined to seek peace as much as lies within us. That's what Peter said, as much that lies within you, pursue peace with all. I'm not going to answer the just war, uh, a theory between pacifism and nonviolent resistance and violent resistance. That's a whole nother conversation. But I do want to say, no matter what, we must be centered in peace in this battle. And so my wife is saying, get out of here. Now it is time to go. That was a longer show today, but uh, there's a lot going on. There's a lot I felt that needed to be said. And so, um, again, as I will continue to say, that as the FBI are raiding journalist houses is for diaries of people like Ashley Biden, that even though I'm talking about the Second American Civil War, I do not advocate violence, nor do I believe violent revolution has any kind of ultimate solution to the condition of men, but through the gospel of peace, we will overcome these difficulties through repentance and revival. This country will be transformed and that if America devolves into a shooting civil war, it is a sign of catastrophe and complete apostasy from the God that made this country great. And so... Don't let anybody get you twisted. People are trying to say that I'm advocating violence. It's a fabrication. And so thank you for joining me on this week's episode of We Hold These Truths. Just kidding. That's the old show of the Last Day's Emergency Broadcast. And uh, just keep joining me every week. Feel free to send questions. If there's things you want me to address on the show, I'm going to say hello to you people in Australia, in Taiwan, in Germany, in Ireland, in uh, Mecca, Saudi Arabia, that are downloading these podcasts. Grace and truth and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be upon you. And I hope during these tumultuous times you find some strength and hope in these live broadcasts or in the podcast. And so I will see you next week for the last day's emergency broadcast.